Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. One more time, help me welcome all of our locations one more time and uh, everyone watching online. Man, it's great to be with you and we are in a series called What Does Grace Say? What Does Grace Say? And we're gonna kind of pick up this week where we left off last week and, and what we're looking at we're looking at really what is grace, but not from a perspective of, okay, uh, a definition of grace. I could give you a definition of grace. Grace is the practical outworking of the goodness of God in the life of the believer, not based upon performance. Come on, that's a pretty good definition right there. You can write that down. But, but really, grace is so much bigger than just a definition. And what we, what we see is that grace is not just a subject. Grace is not a principle Grace is a person, the person of Jesus. So when we look at the life of Jesus and when we see what Jesus says, we're also seeing what grace has to say about that situation or about that condition. So I wanna just take you back, if you have your Bibles or your Bibles on you version, you can go to John chapter one, verse 17. This is kind of our, theme scripture for the series. It says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So the law was given through Moses. There was this system whereby people were conditioned to relate to God, but it was a very imperfect system the law or religious works and trying to get to God or get God's approval, that, that can never truly bring salvation to someone. It can never bring wholeness to someone. It can never bring freedom to someone. It was an imperfect system that was actually designed to lead us to Jesus. That's why the Bible says that the law is our teacher or our schoolmaster that leads us to Christ. What God wanted people to, God wanted people to arrive at the conclusion that we can never be made righteous by our good works or by being religious and trying to get to God. He wanted people to arrive at that conclusion so they could be looking for something else. We need someone to save us. We actually need someone to save us from this system and bring us into a new system where we can truly have a relationship with God where it's about the righteousness of God and the goodness of God, not about man trying to be righteous and man trying to be good. Is everybody following me here? And so that's why when Jesus came on the earth, grace showed up, and now grace and the law got into a battle as to which system people were going to engage God in. And you know, it's the same today. There's so many religions and there are so many people that have some type of we could say religious system or we could say some type of merit system you know they think well if I'm just overall basically a good person and don't do you know like the really bad things you know that 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 I can have a relationship with God and that I can go to heaven or you know things like that they're thinking things like that but but really none of those systems can get people to God remember this Religion is man's way to get to God. Jesus is God's way to get to man. When Jesus showed up, 
grace showed up, and God did for us what we can't do for ourselves. Come on, can you give God a hand clap for that? So we're going to get into part two of the series today, and I've entitled this message, Compliments and Contradictions. Compliments and Contradictions. Yes, that compliment is spelled with an E and not with an I, just in case you're knowing. A compliment I, is a form of flattery. Compliment is something that goes along with something else. Compliments and contradictions. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, help us lean in for the next 30 minutes or so, Lord. God, that we can hear what grace has to say about our situation. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So let me give you a little review from last week, just for a few minutes. And if you weren't here last weekend, I really encourage you to go online and listen to the message because this weekend's message kind of builds off last weekend. But last weekend, we looked at the story of the woman caught in adultery out of John chapter eight. And this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. And guess what? The law showed up. The law showed up to condemn. The law showed up to punish. The law showed up to accuse. The law showed up to reject. But guess who else showed up? Grace, that's right. Grace showed up in the purpose of Jesus. And here we heard what Grace had to say about this woman's situation, this woman that was caught in adultery. We saw that Grace accepts, Jesus accepted her for who she was. We saw that grace protects. We saw that grace elevates. Man, I love that part of the story. That's the part of the story where Jesus says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. What he was doing, he was elevating this woman. He was giving her worth and dignity. You know what he was telling her? You are no worse than anybody else out there. We are all sinners. So, so you might feel bad about yourself, but you know what? You're no worse than anybody else We've all sinned, and we all need grace. Come on, can you thank God that we serve a God who elevates people, even in their mess? We saw that grace forgives. Jesus says, I don't, neither do I condemn you. But then we also saw what? That grace instructs. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. And this is the challenge that some people have with Jesus and the Bible. We, we, we love being accepted by God, right? We want God to protect us. We want God to elevate us. We, we, you know, we're, we're glad God forgives us, but whoa, 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 like God speaking into how I should live? God giving instruction to my lifestyle? Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want that part of grace. I just want the other <laughs> parts of grace. But you can't pick and choose grace just like you can't pick and choose parts of Jesus, just like you can't pick and choose parts of the Word of God. Come on, grace is a whole package. And so we need to remember grace instructs. Remember, Jesus did not excuse her sin. And so he didn't say, oh, you know, yeah, you've been doing all this and, you know, sleeping around and being a, pro you know, what, being a prostitute, you know, whatever like that. Don't worry about that. Just go on with yourself. These guys don't know what they're doing. We're all good, you and me. You know, it, nah. -uh. 
Jesus said, no, go and sin no more. He didn't excuse her sin, but he gave her a solution to come out of that place of brokenness and into a place of wholeness. We like to say it this way. Grace doesn't excuse, grace instructs. Grace doesn't excuse, grace instructs. And we looked at uh, Titus, where the, the Bible says, the grace, of a God, the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us, instructing us, that denying worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously in this present age. Remember, grace instructs us. And we're gonna see that again in just a few moments in this next story that we're gonna go to. But speaking of instruction, how many of you have ever uh, seen a sign or you're trying to get directions or you're trying to get instructions and it's like, you know, whether it's Siri or a sign, it's like kind of the directions, the instructions get kind of lost in translation. You kind of know what I'm, I'm talking about? I think these things will remind you. We took some pics of some street signs, some directional signs out there. How about this one? Would you say something got lost in translation here? Kind of a little bit of a contradiction. Garbage only, no trash. All right. Look at this other one. This would be all. If, if, if I see this, I'm going 55. We all confused up in here. That pedal's going to the metal. <laughs> one way. I love it. Look at this. No parking anytime, 60 minute parking all other times. Divide by the square root of three, multiply by eight, and the, the parking instructions will become a little bit clearer. I think we got a contradiction going on there. How about this one? Do not enter, enter only. And while I think this is my favorite one, the next one, yes, duck crossing. I'm just saying, look, if you're a duck hunter, do not shoot at a duck that looks like that coming across the road. What are those signs? They're, they're contradictions. They're confusing. And Jesus, what we're going to find here in John chapter 5, we're going to find Jesus give some very clear instruction here that we don't want to get lost in translation. I want you to look here at John chapter five. We're gonna read the story here of a man who's about to get healed by Jesus. This guy was lame, he was crippled. The Bible says that he had been crippled, lame, paralyzed for 38 years, 38 years. And most scholars believe that his paralysis was the result of a sexually transmitted disease that he was in some type of sexual sin, he got a uh, sexually transmitted disease, and therefore he's now uh, paralyzed. You know, there are a few sexually transmitted diseases that can paralyze you, especially if they're left untreated. And the reason that they believe that, I think you're gonna see at the end of the story when Jesus speaks specifically into his lifestyle and the thing that caused this brokenness, this paralysis. So John chapter five, verse one, it says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. 
Now, there is, in Jeru- there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool. So does everybody know what a sheep gate is? A sheep gate is this big gate that a lot of sheep hang out at. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Y'all are like, oh, that's what the sheep gate means. It's just a gate with a bunch of sheep. Finally, the Bible's making sense to me now. Okay. No, the the sheep gates was one of the gates leading into Jerusalem. Now watch. That's where the Jewish people would bring their sacrifices that were required by the law. They would bring their sacrifices in there that the law required of them through this gate called the sheep gate. And at that gate, there was a pool, look here, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda, having five porches. Everybody say five porches. Y'all follow me here right here? Look at verse two. Having five porches. Five porches. Now, what did we learn last week? That in the new covenant, five is the number of grace. But did you know this? Under the old covenant, five was the number of the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses, the five books of the law. That's why law and grace, they're constantly set up as an opposition to one another. The law came through Moses, but grace came through Jesus. So five biblically is the number of grace, but under the old Testament under the old system, it was the number of law because there were five books in the Pentateuch, the, the books of the law, the laws of Moses. Okay, so, so let me show you what's going on here. There is this pool. It's right by the gate that people bring their sacrifices that are required by the law to try to be made right with God. And then also right there is this pool, and it says there were five porches. Some of you pool and patio people think that like there were five decks and here's how they were set up. If you imagine, you know, a big pool, there'd be a deck on this side, a deck on this side, a deck on that side, a deck on that side, and then a deck like a walkway coming right over the middle of the pool. So watch, remember five, the number of the Pentateuch represents the law. And if you were looking down at the pool of Bethesda with those five porches right there, dun, 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 dun. It basically mirrored the Ten Commandments, the two tablets that contained the commandments, the Ten Commandments of the law. So this picture that we have here, this pool of Bethesda, it is perfect symbolism in describing the law. And guess what people are trying to do in this place of religion, of law, of of good works and trying to get to God? Look what's going on right here. It says in verse three, it says, and all of these people, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. So, so imagine this system. First of all, let me talk about this story here, this tradition of the angel stirring up the water. Now, in the Greek text, they did not use quotations. So most scholars believe that this was kind of the folklore, the tradition 
of the time and that if the Greek language had used quotations, it would be in quotations, meaning this is kind of the story that surrounded the pool, the myth, the legend, the things that people claimed happened at this pool. That could have been it. Maybe there was an angel that came and stirred the water because it's so symbolic of the law in this way. Imagine this. Here's all these people that need healing. And here's how you get to the water. Whenever the bubbles come up or the water is stirred or whatever it was, guess what? You better be the strongest. You better be the fastest. Only one, only one can get to the water where the freedom is, where the healing is. Healing is. You better have your A game on. You better step over other people to get there. It's gonna be all about your performance it's gonna be all about how good you are, how fast you are, how strong you are, and you better get to the water first because if you're not first, you're not getting anything. What is this a symbol of? It's a symbol of humanity. It's a symbol of every culture and every human being that is trying to get to God through some religious system or through some type of merit system or their own psychological framework for how to get to God or get into heaven, whatever like that, like trying to do it their own way. What it's saying is this, that without Jesus, without grace, people are gonna stay blind. They're gonna stay lame. They're gonna stay paralyzed, spiritually speaking. Why? Because the law cannot save people. The law cannot free people. Religion cannot free people. Religion cannot make people whole. Religion is man's way to get to God. Jesus is God's way to get to man. It will never work. Cultures, people, society, they will stay blind to the love and freedom that God has for them as long as their eyes are so on some type of religious framework of merit and good works to get to God, aren't you glad that God sent Jesus to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves? So look what's gonna happen here. I love this. It says, now a certain man who had an infirmity 38 years. Wow. When Jesus saw him lying there, I love this, and he knew he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you wanna be made well? I love this, watch this. So here's all these people trying to get to the water. This guy surely can't get to the water. So guess what? Jesus showed up and brought the water to him. Jesus is the living water. He brings the water to us. We can't get to God. We, we, we need grace. So here, look, look, Jesus showed up, and you know, watch this. You know why he showed up? The Bible says Jesus saw that he had been in that condition, look, a long time. Here's what grace begins to speak into this situation. Grace says that God is sympathetic to your condition. Grace is sympathetic to your condition. What does that mean? God understands. God has compassion on your condition. God is like he's considerate. He's kind. 
It doesn't matter if your sin brought you to that place, if just how you were brought up or how you're messed up or what other people have done to you and the hurt or the pain or the loss that you've experienced. I wanna let you know that God is not a God who is far off waiting for you to somehow improve yourself and get your act together and clean yourself up so you can approach him. Can I tell you this? God is having compassion on you right now. He's sympathetic to what you're going through, big or small. God has compassion on you. He loves you. He's sympathetic. He's conditioned. Look, that's grace. Grace says God, he understands. God is sympathetic and compassionate about my pain. And look what Jesus says to him. I love this. Jesus says to him, do you want, still in verse six here, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Jesus shows up, do you want to be made well? Look what the guy says. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. This is so fascinating. Look, he doesn't even say yes. He's so beat down from his pain. He's so hurt and negative and has tried to change so many times. He's tried to get help so many times when Jesus finally shows up and says, do you want to be made well? The guy, he, he can't even say yes. He just goes into, man, every time I try to get to the water, he just kind of, you know, starts unloading about his life. So discouraged, so depressed. You know, I found that with so many people, man. They've been beat up. They've tried to change so many times. It's just like they lose perspective. They lose hope. I, wanna, I want you to hope again because I want you to know that Jesus is here and he's sympathetic to your condition. He's compassionate about what you're going through. And I'm telling you, he is right here, right now. And he's asking you, do you want to be made well? And look, look, uh, look what happens. So the guy gives him his, his, doesn't even say yes. You know, he just starts talking about, man, I try to get to that pool. Everybody's stepping on me. Yeah, I almost got there one time and a dog came and bit my arm right before the water. People climbing up all over. He, he, he like, watch this. He doesn't even know who Jesus is. He doesn't even say yes. Jesus says, you want to be made well? The sick man doesn't even answer him except just kind of pouring out what's going on with his life. And then Jesus says to him, I love this, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed and he walked. What was Jesus saying? That water that you've been trying to get through, get to for so long, guess what? That water is right here and that living water is in me. These are, here's what I love about, about, about grace. You know, sometimes God just blows your mind with grace. This guy didn't have faith. This is the kind of thing that doesn't fit in my theology box. This guy doesn't call Jesus Lord. This guy doesn't even know who Jesus is. He doesn't have faith. He doesn't have anything. And Jesus comes down and heals him. And that's another thing about grace. Look, you can think back to this. You think back to times in your life. You didn't really know who Jesus was. 
You didn't really know kind of what, what, what grace could do and all that, but I'm telling you, Jesus was still watching over you, protecting you, looking out for you. Come on, you knew how crazy. I mean, I can think back of times before I ever know Jesus. It was like a miracle that I didn't just self-destruct. <laughs> you know, I love this. Watch, Jesus kind of gives him three things. Watch this. We're going to look at them. These are all what grace says. First of all, he says, look, rise. You've been down for too long. Guess what? It's time to hope again. It's time to get up. As I want to tell you today, some of you have been down for so long. You know what Grace says? It's time to get up. I need you to rise up. I, 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 I need you to come up. Let me tell you what Grace says or, and Grace does. Grace heals. Grace heals. Grace will heal those wounds. Grace will heal that pain that's been keeping you down and keeping you negative for so long. So Jesus says, come on. It's a new day. Grace is here. I want you to I want you to rise up. And then I love what the next thing he says because it's kind of different. And Jesus says, look, when you rise up, now you're healed. Look, I want you, to, I want you to take your mat with you. Take your mat. Now watch, the guy was gonna never, he, he didn't need his mat anymore. He was, he was healed. That mat was what he was sitting on when he was lamed and paralyzed. But Jesus says, look, I don't want you to leave your mat there. I want you to, even though you're healed now, I want you to take your mat with you because I don't want you to ever forget what I did for you in your condition so that you will be sympathetic and considerate and compassionate to other people when they're in their broken condition. Oh, come on, you can clap a little bit louder than that. So watch, what else does grace do? Because grace brings a work of humility into our lives. So grace not only heals, but grace reminds. Grace reminds us what? Where we came from. It rem Jesus said, look, you're healed now. So you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna go on. I don't want you to leave that mat there. I want you to take that mat with you as a reminder of what God's done for you so that you'll be sympathetic and compassionate on other people and their brokenness. And isn't it amazing how so many times, come on, God, God heals us. Come on, we start going to church. We, you know what I'm saying? We start getting some life in us and, and man, we start obeying God's word and God frees us up of stuff. It's so easy to kind of all of a sudden get into some kind of holy roly. You know what I'm saying? I caught myself, I caught myself in the summer. Carrie and I were on vacation and we were at this place and there were these college kids and they were just being wasted and whatever they were on and drinking and they were just acting stupid and they were acting stupid. But we were kind of stuck with them, you know, in this area. And, and, and I started being like, man, I mean, I, could, I was like, so stupid. Like, like, and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, Stovall, do you remember what you used to do? And I thought for a second and I said, I don't remember much, Lord. As the 
again black out. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, look, you're going to be, you're stuck with these people for a while. So you better get a Christ-like attitude and be sympathetic to what's going on in their lives. Come on. Come on. You don't have to join in, but we're called to be compassionate on everybody because God's delivered us out of our situations. It's the same thing. It's like, you know, you know, we're talking about giving in the heart for the house and financial giving. It's so like, it's so, you know, people get on fire for God and all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, if you're not careful, you'll catch yourself like, man, all these campuses and expansion, I don't know about all this kind of stuff. Giving, you know, giving more money to this kind of stuff. Man, like four years ago, you got saved and your marriage restored in one of the new campuses that people gave to and you got healed there and you got restored there and now you got an attitude about giving to another? Come on. Oh boy, you, you, need, to, you need to pick up that mat. You need to get that mat back. You need to remember what God delivered you out of. The reason why people don't do the work of an evangelist is because they've left their mat and God's saying, look, you need to forget the past behind you, but you need to still have that mat. You need to remember what I delivered you out of. You need to remember what I freed you from. You need to be compassionate and considerate on others. You got to get out of that self-absorption mode and get into helping people with the love of God. <laughs> oh man, I love this. So he says, look, get up, take up your bed. And now he says, okay, remember where you came from? Now, now I want you to walk. Grace heals, grace reminds, grace restores, right? Got his legs back, got his life back, got his strength back, got the functioning of his body back. Grace restores, and then grace moves you forward. Listen, it is the grace of God, the goodness of God that moves us forward in life. And I wanna encourage you today, you might have been stuck in a hole for a long, long time, and you've been trying to self-correct and you've been trying to do this, and you've been trying to do that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to stop trying as much and start trusting more. Start trusting more and allow the grace of God to come into your life and pick you up and heal you. Do that work of humility so you remember where you came from. Listen, even all your bad stuff that you go through, do you know that God can use that for his glory? Do you know that all things, if we'll respond to the grace of God, do you know really all things can work for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose? Can I tell you this? If you feel like you've wasted some of your life, God can give you all those years back and then some. God can restore. He restores. Grace restores. There's a passage in the Old Testament that talks about he'll restore what the locust and the canker worm have, have eaten. He'll restore that. He'll bring that back 
in, in a greater way, just like you never lost it or you never wasted time in the first place. And remember, a waiting season is never a wasted season. You might feel like that you're waiting on God. I'm telling you, you receive the grace of God in your life in God's timing. He'll start to move you forward. A waiting season's never a wasted season when you have the grace of God in your life. Come on, can you give God a hand? All right. So grace is sympathetic to your condition. Grace heals. Grace reminds. Grace restores. Grace moves you forward. Now look, you know, so that's what grace says. So of course, here comes the law again. The law's gotta get in one last, kind of little try to dig here. So here they come, the, the teachers of religious law. It says that day was the Sabbath. Everybody say, uh-oh. And the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. It doesn't matter that you've been paralyzed for 38 years. What matters is you are breaking our rules. We have a system that you need to abide by to get God's approval. So really your freedom is not as important as our rules and our regulations. Aren't you glad that God had something different to say about that. If you think God is about rules and regulations, I'm telling you, 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 have, you have missed it. You have a wrong perception of who God is and what he wants in your life. He doesn't want rules. He doesn't want regulations. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to get up. He wants you to start walking. He wants you to get healed. He wants you to get restored. Oh, I wish I had somebody helping me. <laughs> Do y'all like this message as much as me? I like this message. I'm gonna preach to myself. <laughs> oh man. So look at this. I love this. Oh man. He answered him. So watch, here's the guy, right? He who made me well said, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was. He didn't even know it was Jesus. He didn't have any faith. He didn't even say yes, he wanted to be healed. How good is grace? How good is God? <laughs> Jesus had withdrawn and a multitude being in that place. Now look at this, verse 14. Here we go though. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. You see, grace wasn't finished speaking yet. Afterward, Jesus finds him in the temple. He says, see, you've been made well. Sin no more. Sound familiar? What did he tell the woman caught in adultery? After he accepted her and elevated her, forgave her, protected her, and all those things, what did he tell her? Go and sin no more. Here's this guy, Jesus, sympathetic to what he's going through. Jesus heals him. Jesus restores him. Jesus moves his life forward. There's one more thing. He says, go and sin no more. What is he bringing in again? Grace what? It instructs. Grace instructs. But watch. 
Jesus even adds something to this instruction. He says, go and sin no more, lest what? Lest something worse, put it up there, lest a worse thing come upon you. What was Jesus saying to the man? Look, as bad as it's been for you, as paralysis for 38 years, and this is one of the reasons why scholars think that this was a sexually transmitted disease that, that caused this is because Jesus immediately goes back and addresses his sin and addresses obviously the lifestyle that got him in this situation in the first place. Jesus goes back to him, he says, look, don't go and sin no more. And as bad as it's been, remember this, if you go back to that kind of lifestyle after what I've done for you, don't think that it could even get worse. Something worse could actually happen to you. Watch this. Does God love you? Absolutely. Does, 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 does grace forgive and does grace accept? And does grace restore? And, and does grace protect? Absolutely. But here's what Jesus is saying is, if it, here's what Jesus is saying. If you don't allow me to speak into your life, and give you instruction for a healthy whole life. You're gonna go through all this freedom and deliverance, but then guess what? If you go back to that old lifestyle, you're gonna be right back here next week. Same thing with the woman caught in adultery. Look, I don't condemn you, you're free, you're forgiven. I protect you, I love you, all of these things. But if you go back into that lifestyle, you're gonna be right back here next week. And it's gonna be over and over and over again. And there's some people, watch, you're in a lifestyle. And that, 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 that lifestyle, man, is you're in sin. And you're in a mess. And here's what you're thinking. You're hurting and you're broken and you're ashamed and you're thinking God's punishing me for my sin. No, God's not punishing you. God punished Jesus for your sin on the cross over 2,000 years ago. So Jesus already received all of God's punishment or anger for your sin. Jesus received that punishment. God's not punishing you. Grace isn't punishing you. Grace doesn't punish. Grace pardons your own sin is punishing you because the wages of sin or death. What does that mean? It's, it, it, it's like stripping your soul when you're in that addiction or when you're in that, it's like stripping your soul and you feel it's like life being taken from you. It's your sin that punishes you, but it's God's grace that pardons you. See, grace, watch, watch. Grace and lifestyle are supposed to work together. They're supposed to complement one another. Your lifestyle should complement grace, not contradict grace. Your lifestyle should complement grace, not contradict grace. If a picture was taken of your lifestyle right now, 
Would it be like one of those signs, one of those pictures that we saw? Like if, 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 if we took a picture and, and apply, of your lifestyle and applied God's grace to it, would it, would it complement it? I'm not talking about you being perfect and we all mess up and we can all get in the flesh and we can all be tempted and lack judgment and s things like that at times. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about being perfect or anything like that. I'm just talking about if there was a picture taken of your lifestyle with God's grace over it, would overall, would your lifestyle complement the grace of God? Or would it contradict the grace of God? See, I want you to remember this. When you've been freed by the grace of God, then you need to incorporate certain boundaries to keep you free. Am I right? Galatians 5.1 says it this way. Put up Galatians 5.1. Look, here we go. Look, the number five again. Galatians 5. Five's the number of grace. This story was out of John chapter 5. Last week it was John chapter eight, but eight minus three, the number of the Trinity is five. <laughs> Come on, you know us preachers, we gotta stretch it every now and then. Biblical numerology ain't working like I need it to. <laughs> Look what it says. Stand fast therefore in the what? Liberty, in the freedom, in the grace by which Christ has made us free and do not what? Do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Freedom requires us to set certain boundaries in our life so that we don't get back in the bondage that God delivered us out of, right? Okay, so if there's an addiction issue, what? Okay, you've gotta deal with that. You gotta get in a support group or AA. Come on, am I right? You've gotta set certain boundaries around your life. You're not gonna keep alcohol in your house anymore if that was a problem for you, if that was an addiction for you, right? Is that rules? Is that regulations? Or are those boundaries so you can stay free in the grace of God? Think about your finances. You want to be financially free. What? You got to put some boundaries around your spending. I mean, going out, we're going to town center, we credit carding. What you doing today? I'm credit carding. We credit carding. Not e it's not even dollar bills, it's credit cards. Don't, 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 don't. <laughs> no, if you want to be financially free, there's certain boundaries. Like we, you've got to take in more that you spend. Right? Balanced budget. You need to put God first. You need to give God your tithe so he can supernaturally bless you. I mean, there's boundaries that you need to put around your life so that you can stay What? free. Your lifestyle should complement grace, not contradict grace. Jesus wants you free and he wants you to stay free so you can experience the abundant life and blessing that grace offers you. Come on, can you put your hands together for that? Let me... Let me pray for you, bow your heads. Let me have the worship team come up now. Bow your heads real quick. I'm gonna ask this, watch, watch. I need you to bow your heads, close your eyes, because this is, this is a sensitive thing, and 
And, and, but I, I do want you to respond to God. I'm not gonna call anyone down front today or anything like that, but of all of our locations, I really want you to be honest before God. I know we've had so much response in all of our services this weekend. And I know that there are people in here, and if you're honest, you'd say, you know what, Stovall? My lifestyle kind of contradicts the grace of God right now. It's, it's not complimenting the grace of God. But you realize today that, man, grace, grace doesn't punish. Grace pardons. Grace restores. Grace moves you forward. Grace picks you up. Maybe you're one of those people, you've been pressed down. You've been in that negative, discouraged situation for so long. I'm telling you, Jesus is here today. He's saying, are you ready to get up? Are you ready to rise? Are you ready to be made whole? The living water is here today. How many of you would say this? Honestly, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Stovall, Right now, in this season, my, my lifestyle kind of contradicts the grace of God, and I'm ready to make a change here, to receive Jesus and his power and his grace that pardons. I'm ready for my lifestyle to complement grace, not contradict grace. Would you just raise a hand right now, wherever you are? Hands are going up all over the place all over the place. You can put them down. How many of you would say, Stovall, I'm one of those people, man, I've just been down and negative for so long. I've been so long in this cycle of whatever it is. But you know what? I'm giving hope another chance today because I realize that the grace of God is telling me to get up and that the grace of God wants to move me forward and the grace of God actually wants to use the pain and discouragement that I've been through as a mat, as a testimony later on in my life to help somebody else in their brokenness. If you're ready to arise and get up out of that situation, would you just lift a hand right now, wherever you are, hands up all over the place. You can put them down. Let me do this, let me lead you in a prayer real quickly, and I'm just gonna ask you to agree along in your hearts, okay? Just agree along in your hearts, let me pray over you. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you need to receive God's grace today, just right now, in your own words, just tell Jesus that you love him and that you receive his grace. His grace heals. His grace restores. His grace moves you forward. His grace pardons, it doesn't punish. If you've been down, God's grace is telling you to arise. It's time to get up. Time to move forward. God's got great things for your future. We thank you for that, Lord. And Father, from this day forward, Lord, we just thank you that our lifestyle is gonna complement your grace. It's not gonna contradict your grace, Lord. So Lord, we just give you all the thanks. Come on, repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for a fresh start. God, I thank you that you are for me, that you are not against me. Come on, I want you to stand to your feet right now. I want you to stand up right now. I want you to worship God. I'm gonna ask, please, no one leave yet. Come on, let's give God some praise. Let's worship him. Let's thank him that Jesus does for us what we can't do for ourselves, that Jesus brings the living water to us. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.